Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here back in the saddle, and we're going to be talking about startup drafts. So you still may have some rookie drafts going on across your leagues, but the first couple weeks of May, heavy lifting has been done, and probably you're probably going to be repeating. If it's a one-quarterback league, super flex, what have you, your prep for one league translates to ones that may be later on this month, may, be, may even be in June. So this is a great time to talk our rules, our guidelines, some tips here for startup drafting. You're going to see on UTH, uh, the UTH website next week, a perfect startup draft series. I look at every skill position and give some tips, a roadmap, a blueprint, if you will, for some of these guidelines, as well as just, hey, you don't need, just like these NFL teams, you don't need 300 players on your startup draft list to draft your quality team. You really might need 50 or 75 players, and you're going to get 20 to 30 of them. It's kind of how it works with target players, what zones, if you're being realistic about your team build and moving around the board. So Katie and I are going to discuss a lot in this episode. Do know on the UTH premium side, there's a ton of content that historically uh, applies. You know, Every year is a little different in terms of the players. Positional strengths change a little bit, but the tenants, the rules, the guidelines all apply. So I'm pretty jazzed for this, Katie, because mid mid May for the next couple months, it's going to be startup draft season, and a lot of people are going to want to scratch that 22 drafting itch. Yeah, I'm in round 15 of a 12-team Superflex startup right now, and it's definitely helping scratch that itch. But I like doing at least one startup every season to put my finger on the pulse of the ADP to be able to help our listeners navigate trading and just everything that goes into a startup draft. So I'm excited. I've had a really good time with the one that I'm doing. I'm sure that we'll do an interrogation room on the premium side, step-by-step thought process. Why did I make this trade or what, you know, what was I hoping to achieve and all that kind of stuff. Those are really, really good, uh, shows that listeners that are premium subscribers can listen to. But I'm glad to be able to bring these rules, these tenets to the general populace because it's so important how you build that dynasty roster from the startup is critical to your dynasty team and success. Yeah, you're either getting ahead or behind out of the startup draft. And you're going to see a part of your league, two, three teams that are just did not the mechanics of their startup draft, their prep, their execution means that they're behind. And it doesn't mean they can't catch up, but it really can take you a year or two to um, you know, end up compensating for those potential mistakes. And I'll tell you, Katie, I have this giant uh, Word document, just to go a little geeky here. It's like 40-something pages. I put the show notes in there. Every once in a while, I'll delete some stuff that really doesn't apply. But if we do premium shows or things, I'll take notes. So it's around. So I can adjust and edit that in the future. I still have 
this short segment that's called Katie's Tenants. And we, I don't know if you remember, we did some I show do, and you had five or six tenants. You yeah. may mention one or two of them tonight. I, I but, probably will. But it, 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 it's hilarious because every time I scroll past it, I see it. It's in big, bold, highlighted, like all these different sections. And one of them is Katie's Tenants. And I remember it was years ago, but it was something where you probably drew a little bit from some of the content I had when you were a subscriber. And then we start talking, we've done a bunch of drafts together and it evolves over time. But uh, I, I just think, like you just said, whether it's coming from us in a show like this, if it's one of those interrogation or war room shows, or it's, hey, I'm tweaking things. It's my own personal kind of guideline for my own teams. Even if you just write them down and it may seem silly, it may seem back of the napkin type stuff, but it's amazing if it saves you. It saves you from something you're sitting there around four and you read the, your list again. You're like, this is dumb. But then you start reading it. You're like, well, I'm kind of breaking rule number three, you know. So, uh, why don't you kick us off uh, for startup draft season and some of your guidelines to just make us better drafters to not it's a not make mistakes and b let's actually do something positive with the picks we do have. I'm gonna go out on a limb and try to save my best for last and hope you don't steal it. But I'm gonna start off with something that sounds so simple, yet it is so critical. And that is have a draft board with players stacked up based on ADP so that you know which target zones are. And, and don't just go by the MFL or other database because at this time of year, rookies get pushed up because there's a lot more rookie drafts than startup drafts. And so the rookies are going to look like they should be much higher when, and that's a false positive. And so you want to have your own draft board and circle targets in zones, especially late. You can win your league from round 15 on, you know, post 120 players. A lot of people take those players for granted and they're just like, well, but I need, I need, I need. Your lineup doesn't have to be set until September and year one is the least important. You don't need anything but good players good players and future picks. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you said you were saving the best for last. Honestly, that is like one of the most basic things, right? Which is, I mean, whatever your... Pro I mean, just to expand on that for one second, I mean, whatever your process is, like if you're a person that... I'm a person that when I have a rookie draft or something and I leave the house, I'm going to be gone, whether it's for a couple hours, half the day, the whole day, I take a picture of all my Excel sheets. So that shows where we were when I left. I updated my board, who's available, their values, all this kind of stuff. And it's ordered by ADP. And it sounds silly, but you consult that. All of a sudden, I see a couple picks made. Am I looking to trade up? How close am I? I can see my board, my personalized stuff, as opposed to relying on whatever your hosting platform is. So what you just said, I mean, and know that your board, your values don't align with ADP. They're not going to align with any particular sites. Or um, and like you said, uh, the one thing I always remind people is who's the hot player. Like I, I answer so many trade questions that uh, that I have to remind them that whoever you deem the most valuable in a trade doesn't mean that that's the global opinion. So if it's a rookie pick and it's around rookie time, if it's 23 firsts right now, these are these are like the pretty girl at the dance. You know, I mean, you've got to know you're trading something that is universally coveted and that could be a young player, uh, could be someone that has a lot of buzz. So just knowing that that I always say leverage that to the moon. So if if and you say, well, actually I'll include I'll include uh, uh, what I was just going to say in my first tip, which is going to be about selling picks that are in round one, selling your first pick, that 
And, and you've said this 50 times probably on shows, and we should say it a few times every year, which is you trade to the value of the board. And just because if you're at 101 or 104 or 110, who you would take is immaterial, especially if someone's falling, someone that is alluring at a certain position or just a big name that you're trading that player, even if you wouldn't take them, you are trading the possibility for that team to get up here and get that player to get two first round picks. A lot of these teams you're going to trade with, they've picked somebody and now they want to pick again. They want two top 10 players. They want two top 15, top five players on their team. And you need to make them pay for that. And even if you know you think there's a different value in that format, you need to be aware of trading to the board, trading the best player by consensus, by market, by what that other team or owner will do with the pick, not necessarily what you will. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, there's nothing that makes me so aggravated as watching a league mate trade back four spots for a minimal four spot trade in the third round and another four spots in because they viewed five. it not valuable, right? Right. They're, they're basically it's a three for three trade, and they're they're acquiescing to what the other guy's preference is. You're giving up a player that yeah, maybe you don't want them. But what are you gaining? Four spots in round three and four spots in round five. Nothing that's not either. that's not moving the needle. It's not. And well, if that, somebody well, gave me that trade up option, I'd take it nine times out of ten just because I to know make I sure can make you it get up. your well, you could you and, and you would trade back, you know, and try to get an additional piece or get something yes. else, or you'd just be like, Well, this ensures that I get the guy I want because I know those tradebacks don't really mean anything. And I would just add this to this part, which is the longer you go in a startup draft, the less ADP means anything. I will say the first couple of rounds, the first two and a half, three rounds, it stays relatively sticky. But part of that is, hey, they're a top 20 player. They're going to go in the top 25 or 30. Hey, they're a top 10 player. They're going to be gone by 15. You know, They're a top five player. They're going to be gone by nine. So the point is the range isn't that big. But once you start getting removed, it gets wider and wider and wider. So that's why, and I know you always uh, you know, talk about this when you're doing drafts and we've done uh, shows, is that you, know, you get to around 12 and 15, it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, who do you think is the most valuable, most important for you right here? And just take that guy. And if that's quote unquote early, so be it. Who's the best player on your board? And it's that's just a little different than maybe playing the board and playing ADP a little bit in the earlier rounds because you know it's going to be really sticky. You get outside the top 50, 75, 100, it gets way less sticky and it's the Wild West and anything goes. And I think a lot of people still get bent on it and then they get sniped five times in 10 rounds because they're trying to stick and be stringent to a board that frankly, has a lot of variance already. And now you're getting out to who do you think is the 112th player, best player in Dynasty? There's going to be a wide-ranging opinions on that question. Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I've noticed in the startup that I'm in, because of the younger players that have come in in the last two to three years, the tiers are a lot deeper before there's a tier break. And so that leads to my next one. You want to trade back if you're at the beginning or the middle of a tier. You want to trade back. Don't be picky on just this one particular player. Have you know anywhere from 6 to 12. And if you're halfway through the tier and you can count back, trade back, and still get one of the guys in your tier, but you get to pick up an extra asset, whether it's an extra later pick in the same draft 
or if it's an asset like a future first or future second or whatever the extra capital, that's how you win. And and doing a series of that one and then another and then another, that will put you in the driver's seat because then you'll find yourself having multiple third round picks, multiple fourth round picks, multiple fifth round picks. And that gives you the flexibility of saying, okay, I'm going to pick one of my third round picks but I'm going to trade back with my other one because I'm still within a different tier, but I can get one of my guys and extra asset. You're, you're cooking with gas. Yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fast and slow. I'm going to do a combo here because I think there's parts of a startup draft that need to be slow and slower than most people generally move. And then there's parts where you got to be a lot faster. The first part is going to be what I call the onboarding process. I see way too many leagues and commissioners and a set of owners that want to rush, rush, rush to start and have 101 be on the clock and start drafting. And they rush through the rules. They might have copied them from somebody else's league and it doesn't address all the situations. People have questions as the draft is starting. It's not clear when the draft is going to start before that actually occurs. And they're just rushing. They're rushing to get to where. This is honestly the most involved, deep, and uh, long process and event in the league's history is the startup draft. It's not the rookie draft in a future year. It's not any particular zone of, of trading or a key free agent waiver wire period or something. No, it is the startup draft. It's something we all enjoy. We look forward to it. It's a, a point on our dynasty calendar. And I see far too many commissioners and leagues in general rushing. So get all the questions out of the way. If you wait an extra day or two and people are chomping at the bit, that's a good thing. It's going to keep people excited. You can let them know, hey, tomorrow at 6 p.m., we're opening trading. And then the next day at 10 a.m., we're going to have 101 on the clock. Like That gives things people to look forward to. And I just think that it's like, oh, we got to fill it. And then like an hour after the 12th person or 14th or whatever pays, oh, it's starting. We've got to start it immediately and right now. So that'd be one thing is make sure you scrub the rules, ask if anyone has any questions, and don't rush that onboarding process. And then what I'm going to say is I see not a lot of people have enough urgency when you're selling your first round pick, that when trading is open, and this is why I like to tell people in, in the league at large hey, this is when trading is going to open. This is when 101 is going to be on the clock. You're giving everyone, oh, this is when trading starts. And you need to be pinnacle moment on your find a way, make a way, send a bunch of offers. Otherwise, someone else is going to set the market. And I know you're big on this, Katie, that people can ruin it. You kind of already mentioned if someone trades down, and it's like a couple marginal upgrades later, they messed it up for everyone else to get a haul, a difference-making Two for one, three for one, four for two haul. And I just feel like you have to be proactive early. You've got to send out dozens, not five, not seven. You've got to send out dozens and really pepper the market. It's almost like if you were going around delivering newspapers, you got to throw a bunch of, of, of additions on everybody's doorstep because you don't know which one they're going to pick up, read, and enjoy, and, and honestly want to connect with. So if someone else does that, or someone else accepts an offer and they don't have one from you, honestly, I feel like it's your fault. And you should know when you sign up for a startup draft, Like I know not everyone maybe can do this, but do your best to say, okay, I signed up for a startup draft. I think it's going to start in the next couple of days. 
hey, don't do it when you're heading to a wedding, you know, for a weekend where, ah, you know, maybe I'll pick when I'm on the clock, but I don't really have enough any time for anything else. Like make sure your calendar is a little conducive, at least for the first two, three days to be involved and engaged in the trading process. Otherwise, you kind of have to be okay with how the market goes. It might be a seller's market or a buyer's market or everybody but you being in the trade market. So that would be the other thing where just you got to spend that 20, 30 minutes if it takes that of getting out there in the trade market right away. So slow, onboarding, fast when things actually open up and the very beginning part of trading in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes in nicely with one of mine, which is to have multiple trade partners. But like a lot of people I see, they'll say in group chat, this pick is on the block. Well, that's great. How many trade offers did that get you? All of a sudden they pick and there's no trade. I executed three trades and people are like, how are you getting these trades done? It's because- You didn't even say it was on the block, Katie. Exactly. I didn't even announce in group chat that it was on the block. Instead of doing that, you sent an offer. That's what happened. Right. You've got to send, you've got to be active and send trade offers to multiple owners and give them two or more options. But then you've got to wait because sometimes you'll get a counter from somebody, but you've got to let that sit because you've still got five or six or eight that haven't answered yet, let them have time to look at their trade offer. They may accept it without countering, and then you get your full price that you were asking. If you counter a counter, or if you accept a counter, you're now undercutting yourself. So once negotiating with nobody, like you, you basically, you didn't even know if you had to negotiate and you already start discounting down. Exactly. So give your trades time for people to look at. This is what we mean by slow, fast, right? I mean, some people are fast in the moments they should be a little slower and slow in the moments they should be a little faster. It's a, it's it's kind of interesting that you have to know the pacing here. And I, I love what you said there because a lot of people don't know the, okay, I sent out a wave. How long do I wait? If you're on the clock, it's your clock. It's your clock. Use the pacing for trading as you see fit to go through and be pragmatic through counters or maybe sending offers a little later on the clock. Do all that. It's okay. Don't rush it. And for one guy in some chat to say, come on, hurry up. We drafting or we sitting around? Like, hey, it's all of our startup drafts. It's not like I'm sitting on the clock saying I know who I'm picking and I'm just going to wait for six hours. I'm sending out trade offers. You you don't have to defend yourself in that fashion for one person that apparently wants the draft to be over in four days instead of a couple of weeks. You should kind of know it's going to be a couple of weeks going into it in, in most settings. Absolutely. You've got to enjoy the, the thing. Don't let someone pressure you into rushing or not getting a trade or making you feel guilty for sending out trade offers and waiting. And there's, and there's plenty of formats out there, best balls, uh, MFL 10s and things like that. Hey, yeah, you can just you can just draft. If you just want to draft and get an alert when you're on the clock and pick quick. And I mean, there's plenty of things in fantasy football that you can do things fast and you can draft a lot. You can draft hundreds of leagues, but Dynasty is not really that vehicle to do it, in my opinion. And it, and it is different. There's a lot of longer term ramifications and the trading is a lot more robust than other things. Um, I'm going to say... Basic. We say this all the time. It bears repeating on any show like this. Play the format. And I mean, it's amazing how many times you can say it that it can mean something different now than five years ago. It can mean something different in 10 years, but it applies to every league. And 
I'll say this. Here's how I'll frame it. And I'm not going to say this is a one, one way to view the play the format stuff, but have your strength and quality depth align with two things. Number one, what does the format tell you? It could be scoring. It could be the lineup. So that's one aspect. What is the format telling you should be important and valuable for you in, in terms of your team building? The second would be, what's fixable? What do you... And again, Katie and I, we might have a different answer than, than, than you drafting this month yourself. But after the startup's over, existing league, if you have a shortcoming at a position, how comfortable are you fixing that through the waiver wire, through trading, looking at obviously profiles in the NFL, rookies, Devi, if applicable. So how comfortable with each position are you? That's one facet of it, post-rookie, post-startup draft. And then the other part is what's valuable in the format? What is that telling you? So those two things, think about it. And this is what I mean by prepping. In a, even before you make a pick, make a trade, think about this type of thing about playing the format. It sounds, you know, know your rules, know your format, that kind of stuff. It sounds kiddie and it sounds kindergarten. I get it, but you got to do it every single time. You read the whole rules and the settings, whatever is on there on your platform. You look through the scoring, any twists. I mean, you can sit there and think you know it. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, uh, wide receivers get uh, 0.15 yardage. Uh, like normally it's 0.1. Like I read through it. There might be a wrinkle. I'm in a couple of leagues where team defenses score really well. And I guarantee you half the league did not recognize that in the startup draft. These good defenses score 20 plus. And you can still say, I don't want to value it. I don't care. But when all 32 go in the startup draft and they score, the good ones score 20 something, the bad ones score six. I think you would have probably liked to have known that no matter how you have managed. So there's always something, unless it's a stock one quarterback. I've played this format a billion times know your format, play the format, and ask yourself those two critical questions before you make a pick. Okay. So you snipe me. This is, this oh, is no. my 101 of, okay. of startup. Expound on it. What did I miss? Katie? I, what would I'm you like going to, add? Please I'm do. going to expound on it. Uh, so this is the most critical thing. Uh, stock up on the hardest position to hit on in rookie drafts and waiver wire you know, so if you're in super flex, quarterbacks are a little hard to obtain, but more so if it's start two quarterback, huge difference between start two and super flex. Super flex, you could start a wide receiver or a running back or a tight end if you had to. Same thing if it's start two tight ends. If it's start two tight ends, that truly is tight end premium. And you want to have at least three good starters, if not more, in a 12 team league. Know your depth of roster. Do you have 30 roster spots and 10 taxi spots? If you've got 10 taxi spots and it's a 40 round draft, that means you either have to draft Debbie or rookies to fill up your taxi and to maximize what you have in your startup draft. There are some teams that walk away from a startup with only 30 players because they didn't draft any rookies or any Debbie. And so they've got nobody on their taxes. Or they spot. didn't trade down. Like or that's the other trade. thing. Like the first thing I probably I think of when you said that phrase, and it's probably the first thing you think of, which is if the draft is 30 rounds, but I could overall have 40 players on my roster between active and 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 taxi or whatever, that means I could technically acquire 10 additional picks by trading down. So that should almost be 
the ultimate goal. Can I do that? Now, obviously, you might have avenues to fill the the the, the taxi or the active after the you know in the waiver wire over time, but you need to plan. What's my plan? What am I trying to do? Whether or not you're able to achieve that is something different. But 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 yeah, that that is a huge one. Yeah, and so the other part of knowing your format is if you have to start thirteen starters versus nine, that's a big difference on. You may want to be aggressive and trade up if you only have to start nine versus if you got to start 13, you, the power in numbers, you want Studs to have, and duds, right? You, yeah. right. you want to definitely have a lot more players than what your league mates have. And that includes future picks. Uh, but the other thing is, if you have to start five wide receivers, you need to know, I have to start five wide receivers. That's a big difference from pick one wide receiver, you can, you can start up to seven, but you only have to start one. Your roster construction is going to be completely different. And what you covet, what you value wide receivers are a dime a dozen until you need to start three or five or some monster number in a 13 deep total Uh, starting two tight ends. That's a hard position to fix. So reverse engineer it. Your one is least important. If all things are considered equal, the premium positions are the ones you go for in the startup. Build your core. Everything else, running backs are the easiest thing to hit on in rookie drafts. And what does the 2023 class have? A loaded running back class. 24 is looking fairly good as well. So if you're doing a startup right now, you don't need to focus on these young stud running backs that other people are going to covet. Pick up those tight ends, pick up those quarterbacks, pick up even some stud wide receivers and build your core and then supplement as you go with rookie drafts, waiver wire, trades, whatever. It's very critical. Yeah. And really, again, we're not talking. The thing I find always funny about these shows is we haven't, I don't know if we've mentioned a player. Well, I I technically did mention Kyle Pitts and just as an example setting, but this this is what we mean by you can put in players into the discussion we're having about strategies here, but it really is about setting the table for then the players are the puzzle pieces that fit into strategy. But the strategy and the understanding and the setup for what you're going to do and execute in a startup draft is the critical aspect that I think a lot of people leave out. I mean, they spend more time, you know, uh, you know, it, just in the first two, three rounds of their draft. Picking players, you know, or talking in the chat as opposed to prepping before the draft even started for their new venture. Um, this is one that I have a little nuance to that I would have not said it in this way five years ago because I was so, uh, so, you know, razor focused on, on acquiring, is what I'll say, which is regarding future picks, feel out the room because some leagues, it's so hungry for future picks that it can become a seller's environment. And then others, you can get them. You can acquire them. Sometimes it's in the middle. First rounders are gold, future first rounders. Other times, they just give away seconds and thirds and they'll give give away whatever. To move up four picks in the 10th round, they'll give you a second rounder. And so feeling out the room 
with your own offers, exploring, okay, like maybe in the first three, four, five rounds, if you're moving back, you're trying to get a first rounder, but you know what? There might only be one or two teams that actually sell their first rounder. That may be different in other leagues. Half the league by the third round might have sold their their first rounder. The other thing is sometimes you'll have to trade like a fourth round pick to get a to get a first round pick straight up. Other leagues, it might be the sixth or seventh round. I don't really like trading picks straight up for future picks. I like to trade down even if I'm getting round nine, round 10 or something. It's still two for one. It's still getting extra. So all these things, it could be a buyer's market, could be a seller's market. I've heard from subscribers and listeners, extreme examples of both. So just be flexible. Of You can't go in there and Chad from five years ago would have gone in there and been like, I, if I don't end up with three future firsts you know, by the time I finish this startup draft, it's not successful. Well, sometimes there's just not a lot of trading. Sometimes the firsts are just so wildly expensive. It's, oh, Good luck trying to get one. Why don't you get seconds instead? Like I just did not have the nuance to my approach that now I have of, well, let's see. Let's see what all these different assets are. I know what my thresholds are, and I could be a seller, could be a buyer, and it could just be a neutral market of eh, not a lot of movement involving rookie picks. You got to be open to all those possibilities. And frankly, when you join the league, you're not going to know. Yeah, uh, you and I are in a league together where I believe it's 16 team and start two tight ends. And we even traded all of our 22 rookie picks in the middle of the draft last year to get Hunter Henry, who is a prime tight end in his, you know, he is very in that format, very prime. And that's not something you and I normally would do is trade all of our future picks, but it was... Well, it created such a strength for us. He was like our tight end three, right? Yes. And the thing is, the thing is, is we knew last year that the 22 class was going to be fairly weak. So the picks weren't. And we also knew that based on the team we were putting together in a best ball format, we felt pretty strong. And we ended up 14th out of 16 in year one, which is, again, But now now you translate that and you're like, what is that? James Cook plus, I mean, you start going and then all of a sudden the second, third, fourth, I mean, are relatively meaningless. Right. I mean, when you talk about team building concepts and you get Hunter Henry, who is right in his prime at like 27 years old and he has a a profile and it's the right format. I mean, is he not one of the best 32 tight ends in the league? I mean, that's laughable. So, and someone yet at 14 might take uh, Trey McBride and see how that goes, right? I mean, in, in three years, is he Hunter Henry? I mean, who knows? But yeah, I mean, so that's so just one example of playing the format. And like you said, we usually don't do that. And uh, we're sitting out of this rookie draft because we we built our team with a profile we liked. And sure enough, like you said, we finished high and th- that pick ended up being late because you get those future picks. But by giving them a startup player of requisite value you're now decreasing where that pick is likely to be. Yeah, exactly. I'm done. Oh, you're out. Okay. Yeah, no, the last one, the one about no, that's a, no, yeah, the that's format, that was going to be my last one. I had six written down and I yep. rolled a few of them into some of what we already Excellent. talked about. So I think I, yep. mean, I feel good. Um, actually, yeah, the last thing I wrote down here was just generally you trade up, not uh, sorry, generally you trade down, not up. Um, and that's not to say, like you said, I mean, sometimes it's just easy where you can, oh, there's one guy in my tier left and it's really cheap to trade up. So let me get them. You kind of mentioned as well, shallower formats. If you got 20 to 25 man rosters 
and it's a stock sort of thing, trading down and getting depth, not really the play. You know, you kind of want if I can get four core guys or six core guys and add one, that's better than going 10, 12 deep, you know, and and really trying to quote unquote build that depth when lineups aren't overly deep. The waiver wire isn't that far away from your 20th player or something like that. So um, that would be the other thing. And uh, the other thing is are looking in tiers. You already kind of mentioned that, but that was one of the last things I wrote down of. And, and that's the thing. And I, I always get 10 requests when I do this. But um, again, if you're a trade calculator subscriber, you can email me, get a draft board. And it's the exact thing we're talking about, which is it's ordered by ADP. But now you get a look at trade calculator values and it's really easy to see. So even if you just highlight the players you like, where you look and you're like, oh, this player's wide receiver 27. I think that's too low. You highlight them. So all of a sudden now you've got a visual when you're going through the draft of maybe I'm not taking a wide receiver you know, that's five or eight, eight guys up from that because you say, well, I like this other guy. He's way later. I can probably get him in two rounds from now. So why would I uh, go earlier at the position? So all these types of things, you got to have a visual. So even if that is getting ADP from a couple of different places, highlighting some players, maybe creating some tiers, or again, if you sign up for Trade Calculator or you have it, you're requested from me and get a draft board, any of those methods are better than nothing. Then just going in and you see the player list on the, the dropdown on your, your platform of choice and you're just kind of flying blind. You're trying to remember all the players, who's available. You look at the draft board, available player list. It's complicated. There's a lot of moving pieces there. You have to have a static document that you made yourself. So whatever that method is for you, if that's a Google Doc, if that's Excel, if that's putting it on a, uh, you know, just taking a picture of something that you update over time, whatever it is though, super important because the tier-based look at players and assets the potential arbitrage of simple, uh, excuse me, of similar profiles, all these things. Uh, I mean, we gave probably 10 to 15 things that there's some overlap, a lot of uniqueness though. And we rarely, rarely talked about players themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest keys is it goes beyond strategy goes beyond players. It can be profiles, it can be the format, and it can just be the mechanics of being your own one man, one woman war room uh, as you go through this um, and, and setting up your team. Because I'll go back to the first thing we said, which is, man, you can really set yourself self up ahead of the competition or behind right out of the startup draft. Two weeks into your league, you can already be, you know, if 200 is your average player team value, you could be at 300 or you could be at 130, depending on how you navigate the startup draft and be one of the top teams in your league or playing catch up for who knows how long. So so big keys there. Uh, final thoughts, Katie? Uh, we're going through rookie drafting season. If you have anything on that or uh, anything for Dynasty owners as we get to uh, later May here. I've been in a few different rookie drafts post NFL draft. And one trend that I see, you know, James Cook, you mentioned, you know, you could get him at 114 or 112. Not anymore. He's going 107, 108. He's really moving up the board. People are looking at his landing spot thinking it's optimal. He's, I don't think he's as good of a player as, and I don't know that the landing spot is great either, but uh, he's definitely an avoid player at that price tag way out on him. And other guys like Christian Watson, same thing, moving up into that 107, 108, uh, even before George Pickens and Jahan Dotson and, and some of these other first round wide receivers that, Perception-wise, they don't have as good of a landing spot as Christian Watson 
old brick hands. Uh, last thing I'll say is once your rookie draft is done, I know a lot of people are just now conditioned to be active, that it might've been a week long process or even leading up to the rookie draft where you're like, everyone's kind of dialed in, you know, you're thinking trading, people are moving around the board, making some trade to some veterans. And you kind of want that to continue that wave of activity, the league all checking in where in March they might not have been. And I get that, but I also get the sense from a lot of people mentally that they kind of want to force action. And not a lot of people are going to be making moves. If they didn't move a veteran during rookie drafting time for a pick or a package that included a pick or something, that from now until something changing in maybe July or August, they're probably not going to. So I would say just have some patience of maybe focus on your other leagues a little bit. It's it's okay to not execute a deal or not even explore much of a deal right after your rookie draft gets over for a month or two this time of year. So just have that patience because uh, you've already probably explored a lot of the avenues of veterans to potentially buy during your rookie draft or around this time after the NFL draft. And if it didn't work out, you have to give it time for something to change. That could be the the owner's mindset. That could just be the time value of NFL changing with some injuries, player value where maybe something you're looking to sell becomes more valuable. Maybe something they have becomes less valuable. You need the market to change. And I really think over the next six to eight weeks, there's not going to be a lot that changes. So you need to be okay with that. And I know we always preach, oh, be active, be out there, you know, be exploring trade avenues and all this. But right now, this time period is not the ideal one. Trust me, August through December, you're going to have, it's like a weekly thing. You're going to have no problems. Things are going to change more rapidly than you want to. But right now, you know, I, I've said before, if I ever went on a cruise and just unplugged from the internet or you know, I, I spent a whole week and didn't really do much with any of my teams... That late May, uh, when rookie drafts are complete, June, early July, that would absolutely be when I do that stuff. I don't do it, but I'm saying that would be the ultimate time as a dynasty owner or analyst to unplug a little bit. So don't think that the dynasty trade market is going to be just hustling and bustling after your rookie draft. Just know that going in, and I think you'll you'll have a lot less pressure on yourself that you may have in week three to 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 sell a player before kickoff. Trust me. I will talk about urgency factor with players at certain periods of the calendar. And late May is not one of those urgency factor moments uh, with a lot of these players. So between episodes, I mean, Katie Flower is such a great resource. Uh, and actually, I saw on Twitter, Katie, so you're going to be a part of the uh, the Devi. Uh, explain what you're doing with the Devi Summit uh, that, that is coming up. You're right. So Saturday and Sunday, I've got different events. We're on a two different charity events. The Devi Summit is... Brandon Lejeune and the team at Debbie Huddle, we're going to have a lot of people all day long raising money for uh, Ukraine relief. And then we're on with the group from England for a different charity, you and I, in our time slot, I believe it's Sunday from noon to one or Saturday from noon to one, one or the other. But this whole weekend will be fantasy football, all Debbie on the Debbie summit and then just regular talking rookies, talking NFL teams and situations in the other all day podcast a 
Absolutely. Yeah. So look on our timelines, look at, like you said, Brandon Lejeune, you can find, you know, Devi Summit, you know, you can keyword that on, on Twitter, but this coming weekend uh, there. So the third, third weekend, uh, I believe it is in, uh, in May here, third, fourth weekend. And uh, so yeah, good stuff there. I wanted to make sure we got that in between episodes. And, and of course, this coming weekend, uh, you can find Katie Flower. If you got questions about your startup draft, Devi, what have you, you can find her on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder, if you want to support the show, no better thing than becoming a general manager plus subscriber. Had plenty in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, new subscribers. So you're going to love the premium content. It connects to whatever podcasting app you want. It just becomes its own stream there where you get four or five shows a week right now doing a lot of comparable prospects in, in draft zones. We got the perfect startup draft uh, series coming out next week. So again, a lot of the stuff that you're hearing, the concepts, put players to those concepts. And it's it's really just a roadmap by position on how you can have your best startup draft of this offseason here in that, that May, June, July static period of, of player value post NFL draft. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, I will say, you know, I only say this once or twice a year. Some people say it every single week, but if you like the show, rate us, review us on your podcasting platforms. It really does help. And thanks so much for subscribing in general, checking us out. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.